Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. In his kingdom through his people. And today we're going to continue our time um, in the sermon series, Be the Church. And we have made it to Acts chapter 8. We are on the downward hill to the end of our sermon series. We got, uh, I think, eight more weeks in this sermon series. But the Lord has been faithfully showing up in his word. Amen. All right. And today we're in Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 25. And it reads, So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. The crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said as they listened and saw the signs he was performing. For unclean unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there there was great joy in the city. A man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in the city and amazed the Samaritan people while claiming to be somebody great. They all paid paid attention to him. For the least of them to the greatest, they said, this man is the great power of God. They were attentive to him because he had amazed them with his sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Even Simon himself believed. And after he was baptized, he followed Philip everywhere, and he was amazed as he observed the signs and great miracles that were being performed. When the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because he had not yet come down on any of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon uh, saw the spirit was given through the laying on of the hand of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, "Give me this power also, so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit." But Peter told him, "May your silver be destroyed with you, because you thought you could obtain the God the gift of God with money. You have no part to share in this matter." because your heart is not right before God. Therefore, repent of the wickedness of yours, of this wickedness of yours. And I pray to the Lord that if possible, your heart intent may be forgiven. For I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon replied, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. 
So after they had testified and spoken the word of, of the Lord, they traveled back to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray today, as I stand here, um, preaching your word, Father, we need you. We need you to show up. We need you to appear today. If it is just to see a man perform many tricks, then I am no greater than Simon, a man whose heart is far off from you. But Father, we pray today that your name is exalted high, that we will look to you, that we will find our contentment and our focus in you, Father, that we will leave this place with confidence, knowing we have a true faith that can be only found in you. Father, we long for your spirit to move. We long to see your hands at work. We long to hear the testimonies of all that you are doing in our city so that we may have a joy and look to you and glorify your name and they may glorify your name, Father. So, Father, speak to your people today. Illuminate your word so that it is clear for us today. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, y'all look quiet today. I'm going to need y'all to talk to me or something. Y'all good? <laughs> um, in 2019, when the New England Patriots played against the Los Angeles Rams in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the city was all the buzz because the economic growth and attention the Super Bowl would bring to the city was much. But while many businesses and local agencies were excited and overjoyed about the good it would bring to the city, the local authorities had other concerns. This concern was counterfeit and knockoff merchandise. A Fulton County judge granted a temporary restraining order against unknown counterfeiters, saying that in the days leading up to the game through Monday at noon, officers or NFL brand watchdogs can take all the counterfeit materials they see and anything that was used to make them. The restraining order comes as the NFL and law enforcers, enforcement officials was ramping up efforts to deter the sales of counterfeited merchandise and fake tickets. Y'all, listen to this. On a Thursday, two weeks before the game, um, they held a press conference to announce that since last year, 2018 Super Bowl, authority had authorities have received more than 285,000 counterfeit NFL items worth more than $24 million. One of the spokesmen said when people purchase counterfeit merchandise or tickets, the filing said they, they are deceived into thinking they are buying genuine goods when the reality is they are born, buying poor quality, unlicensed goods. And this is bad for the people making the purchase and for the NFL because merchandise is substandard and tickets are unredeemable. See, the problem that they were facing was they had a counterfeit problem. They had a lot of fakes running around in the city. If you've ever gone to any major games, you might see people standing outside saying, hey, you can get tickets, you can get tickets. I got your tickets, discount rates. And then when you, if you were to buy those tickets, you'll realize the game was from 1998 as 2021, and they're no good. See, the, 
The problem of counterfeits is not only an issue that the NFL must deal with or any other major sporting, sporting events will deal with, but counterfeits are something we must be vigilant against. You see, in the American church, we have a counterfeit, a counterfeit faith that says, look to yourself or be the source where all can look, out, look to find truth and joy. See, family, this false hope, the reason it's so dangerous is because it's both costly yet empty. It does nothing for us. But the problem is, you might say you're too smart to fall for a counterfeit, but we're all prone to be, be enticed by the grips of a counterfeit. Even Peter of Paul says later that even the very elect are almost manipulated. Today in our text, uh, we find uh, this look of authentic faith and this look at counterfeit faith. And the way that is opening up, if you've been with us uh, at this moment, persecution had hit the church. Uh, last week, we saw, we were introduced to a man named Paul, who, well, saw at that moment, and the church was being scattered. The gospel was going everywhere, but we found out that God had a sovereign hand at play. But today we find out what happens as the gospel spreading. We are introduced to a man named Philip. Now he came in Acts chapter 6 when the first deacons were elected to the church. But now he's been scattered with the many to go forth to many cities and they find themselves in Samaria. So before we start looking at counterfeit, it's best that we take our time. Like they say, if you want to know what a fake dollar bill looks like, let's deal with a real one. Starting off in verse four, it says, so they were scattered on their way, preaching the word. And we're again, we've introduced to Philip. Philip went down to a city in Samaria. And when he went down there, he wasn't proclaiming the greatness of his name. He wasn't proclaiming the greatness of his power. He wasn't showing off his ability. No, he came and he was proclaiming the Messiah to them. And the crowds were all paying attention to what Philip said. And as they listened and saw the signs he was performing for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who possessed, who were possessed and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. But look at the results. They didn't, the town didn't say, look how great Philip was. Let's, look how amazing his name is. No, actually, the, they say the city, there was a great joy in the city. Family, if you want to know what authentic faith looks like, authentic faith does not make you look at the person and say, oh man, they are really real. But authentic faith says there's a great joy that exudes off of them and their God must be really good. Their God must be really amazing. If we remember the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, the great Beatitudes where he talked about the way we should live in this economy under God, he told his people those who are supposed to be authentically his in chapter 5, verse 13 through 16, he says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So God is telling, Jesus is telling us that we are supposed to be useful. And if we lose our usefulness, we're good for nothing. Church, let's not be good for nothing Christians. Let's not be that. 
but be a person that actually shows off and show off our saltiness in the world. But continuing on in verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Literally something that's been lifted up to draw others' attention to. And he says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. See, our life, our authentic faith is not just for us, but it's for all that's watching. But not so that they will be paying attention to us. But let's look at verse 16. In the same way, it says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. A sign of authentic faith is we are more concerned with his name being made great, his name being put on display, people looking at what we're doing and saying, man, he must follow someone really great. That is a sign of authentic faith. And right now, Philip is displaying authentic faith. Church, let us be a people who long to show off authentic faith because we have an authentic God who has given it to us. But see, here's the problem with authenticity. The same problem that the NFL was running into. When you find authenticity, when you find people who are trying to glorify God, you will know that counterfeits are close by. So now we're rolling in and we're introduced to Simon. He's a man named Simon had previously practiced sorcery in the city and amazed the Samaritans while claiming to be somebody great. Listen to who he was claiming, what he was claiming. He wasn't saying look to my great God, look to all these things. He said, look at me. He was on display and look at me. It's all about me. And obviously he did some amazing things because they paid attention to him. And not just like the everyday, it, he wasn't like a sideshow dude that's on the corner and he's just meeting everyday people. But it says from the least to the greatest, literally meaning that he was even persuading the high officials. And they gave this man a nickname, a nickname I hope none of us strive to have. This man himself claimed to be the great power of God. Now, you, you might brush past that. And what does that mean? That means this man himself says, I am the holy incarnate. I am the Holy Spirit in flesh right here before you. Look in me. I'm the God you've been longing for. He is a messianic figure. And he knew that people were looking for hope. They were looking for someone to follow. So he said, why don't you follow me? I got it. And the problem is they were attentive to him because he amazed them with sorceries for a long time. Now, I want you to pay attention to what they said in the first few verses and what's being said here. When Philip came to the town, it says there was a great joy in the city. The, the city was experienced transformation. It was a life-changing transformation. The lame were actually being healed. The sick was coming up. The sick was being healed. Uh, the demons were literally coming out, and they never said Philip was amazing. But it said that the city had a great joy, meaning they were looking to God. But when Simon was doing his sorceries, doing all of his wonders, all of his work, they were attentive to him. And he amazed them. He was the show-off. 
This seems like so long ago because we don't see many sorcerers today, or at least we don't think we do. But in an t- age of internet influence and preachers that focus on meology, there are a lot of counterfeits that are looking for their own glory. And they're very impressive, church. Yet they're leading so many to destruction. And this isn't a new issue. I want you to understand, even before the early church, there was always counterfeits present. We can go back to the beginning of the age. Matter of fact, if you wouldn't mind, jump to Exodus chapter 8 with, I mean, chapter 7 with me, verse 8 through 13. If you want a little back history of what's going on while you get there, um, Moses was just commissioned by God to go to Pharaoh and tell him, I am the God of my people. I am the God that they will worship in spirit and truth. Let them go so they can come worship me. And he gave him a rod of all things to show off his glory in. And in chapter 7, verses 8 through 13, read this. It says, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, when Pharaoh tells you, perform a miracle, tell Aaron, take your staff and throw it down before Pharaoh. It will become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and did just as the Lord had commanded Aaron threw it down, threw down his staff before Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a serpent. So we see authentic power on display. But then Pharaoh called the wise men and sorcerers, the magicians of Egypt. And they also did the same thing by their occult practices. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a serpent. Like it's a polytrick. Look, we could do that too. But then Aaron's staff swallowed their staffs. And that moment, it should be showing off, my God's bigger than your God's. My God is stronger than your God's. You are putting your focus in all these occult practices. But let me tell you how my God is going to crush your practices, crush your wicked ways. Instead of Pharaoh saying, whoa, he's defeated my My mad magicians, Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he did not listen to them. And this was a part of God's plan. This was a part of God's plan. The same way that this took place in the Old Testament, we're seeing it take place in the New Testament. Philip is coming to the city and proclaiming the name of the Messiah, the one that we should put all of our trust in, all of our hope in. And we have Simon saying, no, y'all can trust me. I could do that. If y'all want to know a fun fact, he's called the flying heretic. If you read church history, you can find him. He's called the flying heretic. I'll tell you about it later. But they're telling him, look at me. But see, the story doesn't end there. Simon's tricks obviously fell short. They saw how weak and weak and worthless they were. In verses 12 through 13, it says, But then they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news about the kingdom of God, the the name of Jesus Christ. Simon wasn't saying, look at, I mean, um, Philip wasn't saying, look at me, look how great I am. He said, no, let me tell you about this great king who's making all things new, who's restoring all things. He's transforming all things. I don't care if you don't look at me. Look at him. And they were seeing the fruits of it. They were seeing the fruits of it. Even Simon himself 
seemed to believe. It said he believed. And after he was baptized, this is an interesting line right here that I've wrestled with all week. He said he followed Philip everywhere and was amazed at the, as he observed the signs and miracles they were performing. Every time you've seen uh, the apostles and all the other disciples performing great miracles, it said that the people were overjoyed and they praised God. But Simon, for some reason, was just impressed. Like, man, look at them tricks. They seem to know something that I don't know. I got to figure this out. And see, here's the thing. Simon's not the only person who's ever fallen victim for that. If we go back to Luke, the gospel of Luke, there's a time when the disciples fell victim to the great wonders that were being done. Looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 20, uh, this is when Jesus sent the 72 out. He sent them out to declare in his name, and the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And Jesus was like, look, I watched Satan fall from the heavens like lightning. Like, I'm, I'm the name above all names. I'm the big one. I've been here. I've seen the worst of it. Satan literally fell. And look, I've given you the authority to trample over snakes and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy. And nothing at all will harm you. And he didn't stop there just to tell him how great the power was he gave him. He said, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The goal of the power of God, this, uh, this authentic faith is always to rejoice in his name, in his name alone. Never in the works that we do. When we are prayer walking through the neighborhood, it's a beautiful thing. I'm so excited that we are going out and declaring his name. But family, don't get caught up in it. Don't get caught up in looking like the church that's doing the most on the block, looking like the church that's the most faithful. But no, we say, no, he's faithful. He is faithful. Don't fall for the same trap like Simon because it's such an easy trap to fall into. Such an easy trap to fall into saying, look at me. Look at what I'm doing. Look at my name. Look at me. Don't fall for the counterfeit faith. Now, here's the other thing about authentic faith. That authentic faith is not just what we are doing, what we do, but it must be vetted by the local church. Let's go on to verses 14 through 17. It says, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had, uh, Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. After they went down there, they prayed for them so that the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit because they had not yet, he had not yet come down on them, any of them. And they were baptized. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So now let me give you a little reason why this is taking place. Um, funny enough, this is also uh, why we have things like Anglicans and Baptists and we're all about the autonomy of the church and apostolic succession. Uh, fun words that you could look up later. But <laughs> basically what took place is at this moment, the only established church was the church in Jerusalem. Because that's where the apostles were. But when people were scattered and a new church seemed to be started, started to be formed, 
Well, somebody had to make sure that this church was teaching the right doctrines and had the right beliefs and they had the Holy Spirit. They had the real signs and seals as we see in Ephesians of the local church. Well, at that moment, the only ones who kind of were the overseers of the church before the electing of elders was the apostles. So the apostles had to go forth and say, all right, let's see what's going on down here. And see, are y'all, is, is the gospel really flourishing here? Is the gospel's, if the name of Jesus really being proclaimed, or do we have a lot of other cult leaders like we have in this time? Like in Acts chapter 5, they talk about Tiberius, and, and they also talk about uh, uh, Judas, and they talk about all these other cult leaders. So they had to make sure that the gospel was being spread and it was going forth faithfully. When they got there, they said, this is it, Lord, cover them. This also is kind of the sign of this church plant. We didn't just show up because a dude said, I'm going to start preaching. But we had to be commissioned by a church. We had to be sent out by the local church. The local church always verifies the local church. And if the local church has not been validated by a local church, don't go to that church. And this might step on a lot, a couple people's toes that ain't in this room, I hope. But... (laughs) If it's a guy that's just saying, I'm just going to show up and start a church, your first question should be, okay, cool, what church are you coming out of? Who's sending you? And if he ain't being sent, run. Because we're about to run into somebody who might have a counterfeit, a counterfeit faith. Authentic faith must be vetted by the local church. That's even why uh, when we baptize people, we're not saying just go out there and baptize them all willy-nilly. No, they need to be plugged into a local church. Now, interesting enough, next week our text is going to seem like a complete contradiction to that. Uh, uh, We have Mitchell preaching next week, so please be here so he could try to contradict me. I'm joking. He's not going to contradict me. But, But the local church is supposed to be validating the believers. So when we baptize believers, I'm sorry, Presbyterian, my Presbyterian family. <laughs> but as we baptize, it is a sign that they are now a part of the local church. They are a part of the covenanted family. So that's why we don't go and baptize on our own unless we are starting a church or we are been validated by the church. No man should be out there just willy-nilly baptizing because he sees fit. Now, the Ethiopian eunuch is another case, whole separate case. Where he was going, there was no church. And actually, the Lord might have used him to start the church, but it was validated later on. So right now, we see the apostles coming and validating the Sumerian church. And so here's the funny thing. Uh, Simon Right now, he's been following. He's been amazed by the great things he's saying. Counterfeits, they want to give off the impression that they have truly been changed. But a lot of times, they're looking for a source to make their name great again. Let's continue on. Verses 18 through 19. When Simon saw that the spirit was given through the land of hands on on the apostles' hands, he offered them money saying, give me this. Let me get that power. I want to do that so that anyone I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. At this moment, Simon's like, how can I buy that off you? Can we broker a deal? Can we we work something out so I can have the same power y'all have? Because I'm seeing the fruits of y'all power. My power is played and old and nobody's coming to see my show anymore. It's funny that he's asking this. 
family. We should not be saying we need to pray for, or pay for our salvation. Why will we spend money on a knockoff when the real thing's for free? We have been given a salvation that has been purchased on our behalf. We don't have to work for it. We just have to receive it. At this moment, Simon's heart was far away because he's thinking, I just need to pay for this. There's some good work right here. I need to get that off of them. But he said, no, you fool. Listen to Peter's response. He said, may your silver be destroyed with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. They're saying, you're so poor, the only thing you got to offer is money. And we have a gift that's been given to us, that's been purchased on our behalf. And when we receive it, now here's the thing, when we receive it, it costs us everything. Because it was something purchased great on us. And that don't mean financially, but now we are redeemed by a king, so we belong to him. We have a faith that doesn't cost us to earn it, but when we receive it, he demands everything. He demands our self-image. He demands our wants. He demands that we submit to him and we only look for his glory and his glory alone. Simon didn't see this. Simon was only thinking about his own glory. And we need to ask, do we only think about our own glory, our own self-image, our own self-worth, how everybody receives us, how everybody hears us? Or are we thinking about the glory of God? Going back to that testimony, what Jesus said, he said, look, all these great things, that's wonderful. You, Yes, you're doing it, but just be rejoicing because your name is written in the book of life. Do we want to be known by this world or would we rather be known by the one who created all things? We have a part in his kingdom. Now listen to Peter, what he says to Simon. He says, you have no part or share in this matter because your heart is not right before God. In this moment, his counterfeit faith has led him to a place where there's no return. But Peter gives him out. He says, therefore, repent. Of this wickedness of yours and pray to the Lord, if possible, your heart's intent may be forgiven. I see you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by wickedness. Peter's saying, you have to turn away from your longing for greatness and turn to the one who's great. Your heart is in the wrong disposition. Your heart is longing to be made known as the power of God. When the power of God is not something you can buy, but it's something that's embodied on you when you receive him. But it's, it's, you're, you, embow, you, you receive this power of God, not for your glory, but for his glory and his glory alone. But Simon doesn't repent. He looks to him and said, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you said have may, may have happened to me. Now, right here, the text doesn't tell what happens to Simon. Um, we don't know the end of his story. Uh, but extra biblical sources tell us that he went on to be called the father of heresies and the flying heretic. And sadly, the same way he lived as the same way he died, due to his counterfeit faith. 
hear this uh, quick breakdown of what might have happened to him. Uh, It was written by St. Justin Martyr uh, from the first century of between 155 to 157 AD. He wrote the first church uh, apologetics. He wrote the first apologetics for the church. It says in some one version, Simon rebuffed by the apostles, abandoned the Catholic, that means the unified church, and turned to Gnosticism, an early Christian heresy that rejected the authority of the apostles in favor of secret knowledge that individual Christians claimed to receive directly from God. He may also claim to have been Christ himself or some other uh, divinity figure. And he returned to his demonic magic. The way he was claiming to be Christ is literally, he said, bury me in the ground and I'll raise in three days. He was trying to show off again his glory for them to look at his name. And it says Simon started following uh, around Peter again. This is an extra biblical source, not authoritative, but we can hear something in the story. It says uh, directly challenging his his teachings and quickly became Peter's most important opponent. Their conflict came to a head in Rome. Puffed up with pride, Simon Magius, which means Simon the magician, challenged Peter publicly in front of the Emperor Nero in a crowd, saying that he would fly as proof of his doctrines. And amazingly, it did seem like he could fly. But it was not by the power of God, but of Satan, which Peter quickly proved. Peter in that moment knelt down and prayed that God would stop Simon, which God did. Right in midair. High from above the crowd in the Roman form, Simon suddenly lost power of flight and fell to the ground, breaking his leg and died soon after. The man who was looking for so much attention, the way he died is getting everybody's attention. Again, this is extra biblical sources, but... Interesting end. You may not know how his story ends. You can look to these extra biblical sources, but it didn't seem like he ended on the right side of history. Family, how is your story going to end today? How would your story end? Would your story end as being known the one has a counterfeit faith telling everyone to look at you, show off your greatness? Or would your story be known as someone who authentically loved God, who submitted all of his life before God because God of creation sent his only begotten son and submitted his son to us, created to spit on, to beat, to shame, to crucify, to bury in a grave. We literally hung him on the same tree that he created. that didn't stop him. You see, we have a good God. We have a good God that doesn't need for us to say, look at me because he's so great. We can look to him. That good God, when his son was buried in the grave, he raised him out of the grave and all of our sins that we have committed before this holy God was acquitted to this God, acquitted to this king. And all those who trust in his name, not our own name, Not the name of internet gurus. 
social media influencers, great pastors that says, you can do it. No, no, no. All those who trust in his name are the names that's written in the book of life. After the counterfeit faith was moved out of the way, let's look to see how the authentic faith continued. Verse 25, coming to a close. So after they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they went back to Jerusalem because the Lord was doing something here. A local church was started there, and they preached the gospel, the kingdom of God in many villages of the Samaritans. Authentic faith continues to spread by no name, sometimes less impressive characters, and it brings great joy to everywhere it goes. Simon wanted to be somebody. He wanted to be someone great. But right now, we're going to see no-name characters continue to spread the gospel because their king is so much greater than them. So, you know, I like to leave you with a sticky note. I like to leave you with something to think about. This is the difference between counterfeit faith and authentic faith. The sticky note says counterfeit faith looks for what it can get. Authentic faith looks to the one who's already given. Where are you looking today? Are you looking to see if you can get something out of the deal? If you can get a, a, if you could have a great name, are you looking to be known? Are you looking to the one who's already given it all? Who says, I will pour out the riches of heavens on you. Where are you looking today? Is your faith counterfeit? Authentic. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray today that we all leave this place with a heart saying, give, let me have an authentic faith. Let me trust you. It is so easy for us to slip into a place where we want to be the show off that everyone loves and knows. But Father, give us a heart to say, no, I just want your name to be made great. I just want you to be made a big deal of in our city, in our state, in our world, in our church. Father, I pray today that your gospel was preached, that we are drawn closer to you, that we have a heart that longs to worship you in spirit and truth. Father, you said those who trust in you will not be made ashamed of. So, Father, I pray today that we are putting our trust in you. And for those who may not trust you yet, Father, I pray that their hearts are pierced and they are being drawn to you. Knowing that you are the only hope that we have. This world can offer us nothing. This world is passing away, but your word and your kingdom stand forever so Father we love you we praise you give us hearts to worship you in spirit and truth it's in your son Jesus name we pray amen will you please stand